Welcome to The Grand Life, a podcast about grandparenting, exploring ways to be better at it, and connecting to those who are in it with us. I'm Emily Morgan. So it's clear from our last episode that from a grandparent's perspective, we often hope that our grandchildren inherit a little bit of what we are interested in musically, maybe our taste in music or even talent singing or playing. In this episode, I talked to two millennials, Ben Kaufman and Emmy Bodner. Their grandparents and parents had a huge influence on their listening habits and their decisions to continue to use their music in big ways. Primarily, my instrument is violin. I've been studying classically since I was eight years old. Um, and have continued that in various forms throughout the years. Um, I don't play full-time professionally right now, um, but I do very actively professionally play. So I started singing when I was four years old. Um, I started singing in church. I think my mom told me that I asked her, can I sing today in church? And she said, uh, I don't know. So she asked our pastor and he said, sure. And so she had to stand me up on the altar so that people could actually even see me. And I sang the first verse and then took a deep breath to start the second and they all started clapping and I don't think I was very happy about that because I didn't get to sing the second verse. Church was the incubator for both of them, a place where they were loved and supported during their early years. But branching out didn't take long for either of them. I've been singing ever since I started my first band when I was in middle school. And while normally all the other kids were having sleepovers and a lot of those things, I was actually out playing in bars. I've played in a few different bands, uh, both guitar and violin, um, also produced a few projects. Uh, but main thing has been um, most people, when you come to Nashville and play guitar, they're like, oh, okay, what else do you do? Yeah. But when you play violin, <laughs> they're like, oh, tell me more. So interesting. That usually has what has, you know, opened doors and made the most connections. Their combined resumes are impressive. Emmy was a contestant on American Idol twice. Ben has played in orchestras, in concert, and on TV, with acts including the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and singer-songwriter Molly Pardon on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. When they look back on their first encounters with musical instruments, it's kind of interesting that they both started with hand-me-downs from past generations of music makers. So for me, there's a lot of memory that's associated with the baby grand piano that I grew up with. One of my first memories is actually a significant one because it was the first time I got in trouble um, around a musical instrument. Um, we inherited a baby grand piano from my great-grandmother. It's a Brombach baby grand piano that we grew up with, and it actually was my great-grandma Ethel Pearl Pletcher Nussbaum. And she was a piano teacher and taught my grandfather and so my mom grew up on it, and we inherited it as a family. Um, but anyways, so this very significant piece that we had growing up, and my mom taught on it, so I was just always growing up around it. But the, the memory that I had was I got caught one afternoon with a little Tykes plastic hammer chipping away at the ivory keys. No. And <laughs> I was doing it for about two minutes before they caught me. So I think <laughs> I ended up, um, you know. Making, making a dent in probably four or five ivory keys. And at that point, they couldn't replace them. So I think oh. they replaced them with something, you know, <laughs> non-ivory. 
in addition to that piano, we had these two violins from my great-grandmother as well that were up in my sister's closet. I think one of them had two strings and the other one had three, and violins were supposed to have four. <laughs> um, nobody in the house knew how to tune them. Um, and I would, you know, maybe once a month when I was six or seven, start asking, hey, can I get these down? Like, I, I really want to figure that out. And I've always had this theory that parents of string players that don't know how to play are probably some of the, the ones that deserve the most jewels in their crown <laughs> or, you know, however you want to put it. But if you have a pianist that doesn't know how to play piano, it still comes out sounding like a piano. Sure. Um, but I think a string instrument is always this delicate balancing act of you know, one of the most beautiful sounds in the world to one of the absolute worst yeah. is you know, a matter of, <laughs> you know, a half pound of pressure in your right hand. And um, so anyways, whether it was, you know, my excitement about it, or they just couldn't take it any longer after getting it out a few months and just screeching all night on a violin like that, they finally said, we think it's time. Would you want to take violin? Yeah. And so, and that's kind of where it, where it went from there. In 1933, I think it was, my great grandma bought my great-grandpa a 1933 Martin Parlor guitar for their first year anniversary because he wanted to learn how to play and he never did. And then whenever they passed away, it got passed down to my grandpa who had the exact same mentality, wanted to learn but never did. He also bought himself a Morgan Monroe guitar and he bought himself a Morgan Monroe mandolin, never learned how to play any of those. And then I ended up being the only person in the family that played. So I ended up getting all of those instruments and now they're like my most prized possession. So, I mean, it's just, it's amazing um, that even the people in my family that didn't ever play instruments or sing or really have much musical ability, they might've wanted to, but they never kind of honed in on it. They still, I mean, they were huge influences and they were able to give me something that I still use to this day and it helps me. Um, I use that mandolin and I taught myself how to play mandolin. So, I mean, it's just, I was able to get the tools from my support system around me. There's no doubt that within the family, music is a great way to bond. Something that I think I take for granted all the time is just how rare it is to have uncles and aunts who are literally singing in four-part harmony before Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's a deep, strong thread throughout my life of just realizing like this very big appreciation for choral music, but also a lot of these old hymns and how I kind of just grew up, oh yeah, like my cousins are singing this. And anytime we brought someone new into the family, I now realize, hey, buckle up because you're about to get asked to sing. Probably where I, I now draw a lot of my harmony inspiration from, I just remember specifically standing next to my parents in church and my mom always sang the alto harmonies. Kind of subconsciously, I always play the alto harmonies on violin as like a first pick because I'm just like, I remember what that's all like. I think very early on learning as a kid um, how to appreciate harmony is probably a big influence on something even today. For Emmy, her grandparents made sure they shared their love for music with her. My grandpa had a love for bluegrass music. 
So um, he would take me and Ford in Indiana, they had bluegrass on the square. So I would go there with him and listen to all of the bluegrass musicians. Anytime I was in the car with him, that's what would be on. So, I mean, there's just, I mean, and on the other side, it was more Motown and my grandma absolutely loved Elvis. I would just, I would hear different kinds of music all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love so many different kinds and will sing so many different kinds of music. So how are these young people continuing the legacy of music that their grandparents and parents have left them? Well, Emmy Bodner created a YouTube video of her elementary choir kids that has gone viral. but it was so, so rewarding. Uh, I teach in a school and the kids, they have amazing talent, but a lot of it's untapped. Nobody's really worked with them or anything like that. And it was only my second year of teaching this past year, but I really wanted to do something with them that they could really remember the year by, especially because they didn't get to do any other plays. Yeah. Uh, we normally did a second grade play. And then our school was actually partnered with Disney to be able to do some of the Disney plays as well. And that was canceled for the year. Aww. Last year, the fourth grade and third grade didn't get to do their Frozen play. So I just knew they weren't going to have anything really to remember the year by. So I was kind of thinking, okay, what can we do so that the kids would really be able to use their music abilities since they weren't going to have any kind of outlets this year? think um, at that age, normally kids don't understand um, how powerful music is mm -hmm. and how much it can also help to develop your emotional intelligence as well. Um, I would listen to songs whenever I was a kid and wouldn't understand why do I feel so happy after this song? Well, because if you look at the lyrics, it's a happy song. Yeah, That's what it's meant to do. So they don't really understand that, but they're still absorbing it. So I wanted to give them that kind of an outlet to not only be able to help themselves because they were feeling the stress of COVID. I sure. mean, I knew that. I mean, I, I could tell just by talking to them that they were stressed and they could they could feel what their parents were going through as well. But I mean, their parents are dealing with that too. They don't have, they probably don't really realize, oh, I need to also help, you know, help them work through it too. Sure. So um, music is also a way to give them that kind of song to learn. It kind of um, helped them to learn how to help themselves almost to work mm -hmm. through what they were feeling. Yeah. And it also gave them the opportunity to help the community to, to make it a little bit brighter, to make the people of the community a little bit happier to see that. I made sure that before we even learned the song, the kids, we went through all of the lyrics. What do they mean? Mm -hmm. What do they mean to you? How do you think this corresponds with what's going on in the world and the community right now? I really wanted the kids to understand that so that they could connect to the music. And then once they connected to the music, they could connect to the people that were listening to it. And for Ben Kaufman, the passion has extended to his own children. My son Liam is six, and he actually, um, we, one of my good friends has been teaching him uh, violin lessons since he was four. 
So he's actually almost through the first book of Suzuki. Wow. And I, I couldn't be more ecstatic that he's into violin. And I genuinely think it's something he wanted to do. It's an interesting situation because I'm not his primary teacher. Yeah. It's a, a very neat way to kind of be like his cheerleader without having to be the one to teach him the fundamentals. And sure. so that's been a very special you know, relationship for us. And, and has your daughter picked up an instrument at all? Um, well, so she she's kind of picked up his little 10th size violin that he doesn't play anymore and sawed away at it. But interestingly enough, the thing that she impresses me by is just singing and melody and harmony and, mm. um, and, and him too. But that's the thing I've been like taking a step back recently and being like, wow, like she's three years old. Um, her name's Ivy. The environment that we have right now is very much singing before bed, singing before dinner time, And it's something small, but when it's happening every day, I'm, hearing my six-year-old son even experimenting with harmonies and he's staying on the route the whole time that we're all singing, you know, different things. And wow. it's just, it's so interesting to see how um, a kid that age, how their mind is working and in ways that I am just like, you are going to be beyond me in, you know, five more years guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Liam being six has just like really opened up this ability to be, to develop our friendship. Um, and I think that is just like one of the best things about fatherhood. Um, and I'm sure grandparenthood as well, but just like getting into the things that he's into, but then being like, I'm not treating you like a kid. I'm just showing you the things that I'm into. Yeah. And so when he was three or four, I mean, we, one of his first records, we were listening the first time he put headphones on, I played him take five by Dave Brubeck and he just lit up and he's like, what am I listening to? You know? <laughs> and I think that's something that's been really unique and special to learn as a as a dad is like I mean I can I can get down to a baby level or down to his level and be like let's put on baby shark yeah um, like everybody else is doing and no I mean no offense go listen to baby shark if that's what your kids love but like we we never show that to him and I probably never <laughs> and that's probably way more of a point of pride than it should be but um I think for me it comes down to I think like I think kids can handle complicated music. I could keep trying to find, you know, kids versions of songs, or I could just show him, you know, Schubert's Trout Quintet, which happens to be one of my favorite piano quintet pieces. And before you know it, um, I mean, my son was asking for that three or four times a day, and <laughs> exactly. we listened to it three or four times a day. And I'm so glad it wasn't Baby Shark, because after the fourth time, I still wasn't sick of it. And there's still new things to learn, you know. Listening to all these musicians in the past two episodes, I've learned this. Music is a language that spans generations and can even be the glue that holds them together. While practicing and learning can be grueling sometimes, there is nothing like the joy that they have in sharing their music with others, whether it's a granddaughter, a classroom of kids, or a child. I'm encouraged by their commitment, and it makes me more determined to share my music more with the people I love. Hopefully you will find a way to ask Alexa to play a favorite tune of yours to share with your grands, or play a tune with them on your own, the old-fashioned way.
Don't forget to email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 317-572-7876 if you have an idea for the podcast or a comment about it. Meanwhile, in whatever app or platform you use to listen to this podcast, there's likely a way for you to leave a review or post a comment or give me five stars or something like that. I appreciate the feedback, and it informs potential listeners who haven't yet found the Grand Life Podcast. Next time on The Grand Life. I come from a family with a strong social conscience. My parents were very progressive. They were involved in teachers' unions and organizations. There was many women in the family. There was a sort of strong matriarchal line of nurturing women that really inspired me to get involved with the feminism and the women's movement. That's next time on The Grand Life. I've said it before, I do not pretend to be the best grandparent ever, but I will confess to believing that being one is the best thing ever. I'm Emily Morgan, and thanks for joining me in living the grand life. This podcast was written and hosted by Emily Morgan, my grandmother. It was produced and edited by Mike Morgan, my grandfather. Email them at grandliveconnection at gmail.com.